Wow. I want to talk about hope for dark shadows. The resurrection of Jesus meant more than the world to the followers of Jesus in the first century. Why? Because they faced suffering and needed to know there was something beyond it. They faced injustice and they needed to know there would be someone who would correct it. The resurrection of Jesus meant more than the world to his followers because they faced death and needed to know someone defeated it. They faced the future with hope because they knew because he lives, he would return. The resurrection meant more than life and more than the world to his followers. Paul said, if there was no resurrection, there is no hope. Meaning leaves the room in this life and never returns if Jesus doesn't come back to life. Here's what Paul said. For if there is no such thing as a resurrection from the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, all of our preaching has been for nothing and your faith is useless. Moreover, if the dead are not raised... That would mean that we are false witnesses about God. And that would also mean that we are preaching a lie to you, stating that God raised him from the dead, if in reality he didn't. If the dead are not raised, then Christ is not raised and our faith is useless. If the dead are not raised, that would mean that we are standing here this morning with no hope, living in a fantasy. It would also mean that those believers in Christ who passed away have just done that. They've passed away. If the only benefit of hope for living in Christ is limited to this life on earth, Paul said, we deserve to be pitied more than every other person. But... The truth is, look at your person sitting somewhere next to you. I know they can't be very close, but look at them anyway and say, but the truth is, Christ is risen from the dead. For since death came through one man, the resurrection of the dead came through one man, Jesus Christ. And I want to talk to you today about hope on the road of dark shadows. The resurrection meant more than the world to Jesus' first followers, and here's why. The cross crushed the hope that had come alive in their lives. When their king died on that cross, hope died. Their dreams were crushed. Their faith was killed. At one time, faith was growing like a blazing fire in all of them because Jesus came into their lives. But the cross killed all that. Their hope got shattered. The crucifixion of Jesus was traumatic. The cross crushed their hope. They had hope. What was their hope? They believed God was going to drive evil out of the world. They believed God was going to conquer injustice and bring about justice. They believed God was going to equal the score. They believed God was going to topple tyranny. But on that day, all of that died. Listen, those 12 men, they watched hope get arrested. 
They watched Hope get manhandled and abused, and they all ran. One went off and hung himself. Only one went up on that hill, John, and he watched Hope take his last breath. John heard his Lord in an agonizing voice cry out, God, why have you forsaken me? John heard that from the one who never asked why. Did God even turn away from him? What hope is there for me? Has God left all of us? Everything died in those moments. It even seemed like the sun died in the middle of the day. The cross crushed all hope. What thrives when your hope dies? Fear? Fear thrives. Trauma crushes everything and everyone who believed in something and in a moment it's gone and fear appears on the stage and no one can get him off. Fear thrives when hope dies. What else? False perceptions are created in our minds. Then we fill in the blanks from here. Thank you very much. Everything gets redefined by the hopeless heart and the hopeless soul. Past is redefined, present gets refashioned and reevaluated, and the future, future, future? What future after God dies? You know what else happens? Faith becomes more terrifying than fear. To believe in anything or anyone is to, hurt, is to be hurtful, and it's horrifying. Faith in what? God? What thrives when hope dies? Fear? False perceptions? We fill in the blanks. Every answer from now on has a little sprinkle of cynicism in it, sarcasm. We begin to project our own psychological wounds and worries, and everything is a reflection, a presentation of what we're really psychologically wounded about, and we define other people the same way, and we build walls, and we build them high, and we build them thick. The only true belief is that there is really nothing that someone can stake their life on. It's too horrific, and it's actually stupid. The cross put all of the believers in that kind of world. The cross crushed the hope that had come alive in their hearts, and that's where they were, all of them. Enter the Easter story in that context. Come with me on a road of shadows. Uh, it's actually called the road to Emmaus. Let me tell you where Emmaus was. Seven miles away from the city where God was king, but now God is not dead. Anywhere but there. And two of the believers were on the road to Emmaus. Two former hope-filled men, now deeply traumatized and very disoriented, former believers. Cleopas is one of them. Some scholars say that his wife stood next to Mary, the mother of Jesus, under the shadow of that cross. Cleopas and another unnamed friend are walking away, back to reality. 
And they heard earlier that day that the stone had been moved. Earlier that day, they even heard that women who followed Jesus saw a vision of angels. But who's going down that road again? It's too scary to do that thing again. The city of God doesn't have God anymore. And if Jesus was close to him, well, hey, maybe God isn't real after all. Because if God is real, he wouldn't, you fill it in, have allowed this to happen. But God never dies. And hope never dies. And on resurrection day, that day, the sun came out. S-U-N. It came up over the mountain again. And the S-O-N did too. And the S-O-N decided to take a walk on the road of dark shadows. And he comes to join these two believers on that road, and it goes like this. They were in the midst of a discussion about all the things that had taken place over the last few days when Jesus walks up and begins to join them on the journey on that road. And they're unaware that it's Jesus walking with them because, listen, God prevented them from recognizing him. Why would God do it in a time like that? And then Jesus asks them a question. He says, you seem to be in a deep discussion about something. What are you talking about so sad and gloomy? Don't you love it when someone brings that kind of thing in to your hopeless situation? And they stop, and the one named Cleopas says, haven't you heard? And I have a feeling that he projected some emotion when he says, are you the only one in Jerusalem unaware of the things that have happened over the last few days? And then Jesus takes up a notch and says, what things? And they say this, the things about Jesus. Friend, what, what are the things about Jesus? In 2020, in your world, someone brings up the word Jesus to you. What are the things about Jesus? Let me tell you what they said. They said, Jesus of Nazareth was, was. Jesus of Nazareth was a prophet mighty indeed, and we were hoping he was the one. Some girls have said that their whole life long, right? Hoping he was the one. We were hoping he was the one who was going to. And they go on to say, but three days ago, reality came. The high priest and the rulers of the people sentenced him to death and had him crucified. Crucified, you know, when they like hang you on a cross and in about six hours or maybe a day, you don't come back from that, that thing, crucified. That's what happened, and we had hoped. We put all our hope in him, that he would redeem and rescue us. 
All our hope died three days ago. And are you the only one that is without a clue that there's nothing to hope in in this world? And besides all this, you want to hear something else that's crazier than... It's the third day. Oh, he said on the third day. It's the third day. And here we are, and we're supposed to believe now. The tomb, the stone was moved. Just like he said, the women said they saw angels. But they didn't see him. They didn't see him. Now, the compassionate Jesus in the midst of that, that we all tell everybody, we would all fill in the blanks what Jesus would do for that person right then. We'd all tell him what it would do. The Bible, according to Tim, would say, and Jesus said, guys, it's me. Don't feel bad. But he didn't. In that moment, we need him to be what we need him to be. We want something from God to appear right then. We want God to intervene. We need to see something. We need an escape from our hopelessness. We need comfort. We need a hug. We need a hand, and we need... But God does something else. And in verse 25, Jesus says to them, O foolish men and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Picture it. Your hope is crushed. Have you ever been there? Your hope is crushed. You've experienced death. And in your paradigm, it even seems like God died. And it's real, man. It's real. And this person who's now joined in adds three words to your situation. Oh, foolish men. Now, if he stopped right there... Maybe Cleopas would say, I know, right? I was a fool to put my hope in someone like that. I know, right? I was a fool to believe in something or someone so deeply. I know, right? You know, I even stepped out there and believed that he's the God of miracles. But these two men saw it all die. There was another person walking with them, and he didn't stop with those three words. This person walking with them wasn't a cynic. He wasn't a cold-hearted, sarcastic scholar who lost his burning childlike faith growing up in a religious environment. This was someone who knew that there was a true anchor from which all of us can live, with an unshakable hope. And he says, Oh, you foolish men, slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. And then this unknown traveler begins to tell them that there is something that stands strong and unshakable, even beyond tragedy, even beyond heartache, even beyond mysteries, even beyond the seeming end of a dream, even beyond death. Jesus says what there is that still remains, and it's a someone who is still speaking his words to us. All the living words of God. 
And from that moment, he begins to take them on a road to the promises of God from Alpha to Omega, from Genesis to three days ago in Jerusalem. And then they arrive at the inn, and he's going to keep on going, or at least wait for an invitation to stay. And they ask him to stay, for the night is falling, isn't it? And the day is almost over. So he goes in with them, and it says, they recline at the table, and he takes the bread, and he blesses it, and as he's breaking it, he's giving it to them, and it says, and then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. What in the world is God doing? He's not fitting the script. It should say, and he opened their eyes and spent the evening with them explaining all the mysteries and giving them complete understanding about all the ways of God. But he didn't, gone. And they said to one another, were not our hearts burning within us while he was speaking to us on the road, while he was explaining the scriptures to us? They beelined back seven miles to Jerusalem to find all the others. And as they open the door, they enter a hope-filled room. Why? The Lord has appeared to Simon. And they were beside themselves. And as they began to tell their story and hear the other story, hope began to spark. And then Jesus appears in the room. He asks them, now picture this, Jesus appears in the room, and you know what he says to them? Do you guys have something to eat? Are you with me on this this morning? I haven't preached in three weeks, LOH. I need you to say amen. Do you have something to eat? We've got questions and you're hungry. Hey, I bet you work up a hunger trying to die for the sins of the world. Do you have something to eat? You know what he is doing? He is back in the real world in a real way, doing real people stuff. He asked them that. Hope is born again in their life, even after trauma, even after tragedy, even after death, even after a smack in the face of reality. Easter morning is an invitation to all of us. Whatever road you are on can lead you back to hope. If you're on the road to suicidal thoughts, there's somebody walking by you, with you. If you're on the road to disaster, if you've just come from a disaster and you're actually on a road to nowhere because anywhere is better than where it all went down. Whatever road you are on, you can lead, be led back to hope. A hope that endures, a hope that strengthens you, a hope that is daily, 
a hope that goes beyond anything you've ever experienced before. Tonight, he was telling them in that tavern or inn, hope is alive on that night. This morning, he is saying to you and to me, let hope take hold of you again. Would you look at the person next to you? And would you say this out loud to them? Jesus wants you to join him. Come on, go ahead and say it. Jesus wants you to join him. Here's what Jesus is saying to all of us this morning. Easter 2020, LOH. Jesus is saying, let me take you into the life of the scriptures. Jesus is saying, let me make you strong in the life of the spirit. I'm going to show you that. Let me make your life matter in my plan for the world. Jesus wants to take you by the hand on whatever road you're on, in the shadow, and lead you back to hope. We say, Jesus, against all hope, I ask you to open the scriptures. Speak to me, Lord. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Jesus, fill me with your spirit. Make me strong on the inside again. The same spirit that raised you from the grave. Fill me with your spirit that my hope might be resurrected again. Jesus, use me in your plan to bring the good news to those who are without you and without hope in this world on their road. Jesus said to them on that first Easter morning these two things. First, he looked at them and he said, you are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending forth the promise of my Father upon you. I, I believe the Holy Spirit is in your house right now. I believe the Holy Spirit the presence of the one who raised Jesus from the dead is in your home, around your kids, around your table, around your television or your computer. The Holy Spirit of God that raised up Jesus from the dead is in your presence. And he says, I want to clothe you with power from on high. And they left that place, and he led them out as far as a place called Bethany. That's where Lazarus was raised from the dead. And I love this picture. It says, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. I believe he wants to do that right now. Why don't you lift your hands up right where you are? We're having church. Have you figured out I've come here to have church this morning? You have church at your house. Come on. He is lifting up his hands. Lift up your hands. And he blesses you. He blesses you. And while he was blessing them, he parted from them and was carried up to heaven. And they, after worshiping him, returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising God. What? In just a matter of days or weeks, from a place where hope died, it was crushed, 
to now a place where the resurrection means more than their own life, more than the world, and they're ready to set sail and go forward. This is a group now. And those who came into that group by a birth of the Holy Spirit over the next century, two, three, would need that anchor of the resurrection. Why? Because it would still be the not yet part. God would be with them, but he would be with them in the midst of a world that's not just that's not right, and is not loving. Everything would be redefined. Their hope could never be conquered, but there would still be passages through the not yet. And in the not yet, they would need somebody that would remind them that they're not alone. Guys, this is a real-world gospel. This is a Jesus come back from the dead, fix me a plate of fish, meat and potatoes, reality gospel. This real-world gospel is for the spouse so she or he can make it through a betrayal and find your way back to a sweet spirit again. This is a real-world gospel. This is for the believers who didn't get healed at the miracle rally and they have to sit every two weeks at a cancer treatment center and then when it's finished, spend three days in bed unable to get up. This is a real world gospel for parents who need the comfort of the Holy Spirit to hold them because their kid has left the faith. And the scripture that everybody says to them, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved and your household hasn't happened and it might not. This is a real world gospel that gives hope to parents like that. This is a gospel for the mama whose child died and the picture in the living room with the verse, I know the plans I have for you to prosper you and not to harm you seems like a mockery and a mystery rather than a comforting verse of the merciful God. This is a gospel that says he will walk on your road with you and give you hope. Because he lives in you. You can possess a power to overcome in the not yet unyielding world that we live in sometimes. But don't misunderstand what I'm saying. An angel came down from above and took that two and a half ton stone and picked it up and put it somewhere else, and then sat on it, and said, booyah. Don't misunderstand. There is a power in the Holy Spirit that can set your feet to dancing. There is a power in the hope of God that you can still celebrate an upcoming wedding feast that awaits all of us. 
There is a hope in this gospel for you in your home right now, regardless of what road you're on. And boy, oh boy, and man, oh man, LOH Church, I want to say this. I cannot wait till you and I can fill this room one time, two times, stand out in the, in the, in the parking lot. It's going to be so overflowing. When we get back together, we're going to have a shouting hallelujah time because Jesus Christ is just getting started in this world. He still sets people free from dark things. Jesus still heals the sick. Jesus still fills people with the Holy Spirit. Jesus still does signs and he still does wonders. And I have a feeling that he's saved the best wine that's been back in the back room and he's bringing it out and he's going to put it on display and the disciples are going to behold the glory of the Lord. Amen? We are freed from the power of sin because Jesus' spirit has overcome it and lives in us. You and I right now are right with God, even while we are trying to work out of some of the wrong stuff that stuck too tight to us when he made us right with God. Hey, my name's Tim McGregor. I've been pastoring now for over 30-some years. I've been here for more than 25 years, and I'm looking you right in the eye, right through the screen, and I'm telling you what I've discovered about this man who's walked onto my dark shadow road. I have found a power in his words to sustain me in times when the power got turned off and the problems grew bigger. Praise you, Jesus. Praise your name. He is Lord over the shadows, friends. He gives us all we need. And through the storms and in the hardships and when God even seems to contradict Himself, He is in control. He is moving time and moving things forward for His glory in the mysteries, in the mania, in the misery of uncertain times when hearts are shaking and hearts are breaking. Jesus is Lord of the shadows. Good news. Your heart can come back to hope even on your road. It's Easter, man. It's Easter, brother. It's Easter, sister. He told them he would be in control until the last day of the age. Man, I want to close with two things, a promise and a picture. Are you ready for this? A promise. Jesus says to you in your room right now, wherever you are, Jesus says to you, here's the promise, I am sending forth the promise of my Father upon you. You can be clothed with power from on high. Lord, I pray right now for every person, every person that your promise would come and fill their life, fill their home, fill their family, fill that doubter, fill that one who has a broken heart, fill, fill that one that believes hope has died. Come with your power, Lord, and give them hope again. A promise and a picture. I love this picture. The, listen, do you know what the last image anybody on earth had of Jesus 
He had his hands lifted, blessing his church. Come on, someone. The last image, he is holding up his hands and he's blessing the church. In your house where you are hopeless, you feel alone, you feel forgotten. He's not forgotten. His hand outstretched over you is blessing you, blessing you, blessing your life. A promise and a picture. Now I found out, I found out being friends with Mark Zuckerberg that some of my unbelieving friends watch our LOH services. And some of your unbelieving friends, and they're watching right now, I have a word for you. He's right there with you. You've heard everything you could ever hear about Jesus and the church and the cross. And I, I believe that right now, he's asking you this. So, this Jesus asking you this. So, what's up the road? What's up around that bend? Are you able to face it alone? I mean, he's asking you right now. He's asking you. Are you able to face what's up around that bend all alone? Then he, you know what? Then he gets even more personal. He got really personal with them. He's getting really personal with you. He's asking you this question. Are you ready to face God alone? Or would you perhaps like me to be standing next to you? I mean, when he opens the books and takes the inventory of your life and your sins and your stuff and your secret, would you like to do that by yourself or would perhaps you like me to be standing there? I know a guy. I know a guy. If you pray and invite him in, you need to also know that you can't live for him without him after the prayer. What do you do, Tim? What do I do? I, I really, I'll I tell you, you got in my head, Tim. You got in my head. No, look, God got in your head. Now he's going for your heart. Here's what you do. You repent. You repent. Let me just tell you a simple definition of repent. It means to agree with God about God's truth. Agree with God about truth. I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. Rebel? Yes. Broken? Yes. Bankrupt spiritually? Yes. Repent means you agree with all that. You agree with God, and then you believe the good news. Here's the good news. Here's good news for you. He opens his arms and dies for sinners, rebels, broken, bankrupt people and welcomes those who just dive into his arms of mercy to find forgiveness and cleansing and family and hope. Jesus died on that cross for you. You in? You in?
pray with me. Lord, I pray for every person watching that you just invited them by knocking on the door. You give them the final say. I pray for everyone today that's saying, Jesus, I repent, I agree. I'm a sinner, I'm a rebel, I'm broken. I'm broken, man. I'm bankrupt spiritually. I agree, I'm lost. But I also believe the good news. I can't, it's hard to believe it, but I believe it. And I'm just going to dive in and throw my, my life into your arms. Lord, I pray for every person that does that, that you would sweep away their sins, wash them, separate them from their sin as far as the east is from the west. Blot it out, cleanse it, obliterate it, Lord, and fill them with grace and love and the mercy that comes in Christ Jesus. Make the gospel come in their life with power and great assurance. Church, I don't know what is going to happen tomorrow, next week, next month, next year. I don't know what's up the road. You don't know what's up the road. But I want someone on the road and we'll follow him up the road because he is Lord over the shadows. And there is hope. And there is a Jesus with his hands outstretched over his people. Shadows get absorbed as the sun rises in the morning. Shadows of sin get healed in his tender mercies and shadows of death have no power over the resurrected son of God. And all shadows will disappear when he comes back again. This same Jesus that you saw go up into the sky will come exactly in the same way you saw him go. There is hope beyond the grave. Hope past tomorrow. The king is going to come. And because he lives, we will live also. Man, do I love you, LOH Church. Do we love you? And we cannot wait to get together again. And until then, we're going to have church this way, but we are going to have church. I pray you have a happy, happy, happy Easter in the joy of the Lord, in the blessing of Jesus. Hope is alive. It's Easter, man. Let's sing together. Bless you.